title of my message. It is, Beware of the Third Voice. Okay? Beware of the Third Voice. This has been stirring in my heart, this message, I want to say for a few years now. And um, I'm going to first have you flip. How many of y'all are like good scripture flippers? Like, I'm good. Like, I can, follow, I can keep up with you. Okay, I might make you work tonight. Let's flip to 1 Corinthians 14.10. First Corinthians 14.10. Okay, this scripture says, I'm going to read the King James Version. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them are without significance. If you're a note taker or you want to write this in your Bible, I just want to tell you what the word significance actually means. Significance means the quality of being worthy of attention. It, it holds value. There's a ton of voices in this world and none are without significance. Now, how many know in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Have you guys, did you remember that scripture? We're not going to be ignorant of the devil's devices. So this, this sermon that I have for you tonight, this is a strengthening I felt because obviously me and Chris really feel called to equip the believer. We are tired of seeing tragedy in the church. We are tired of... People getting diagnosis and their outcome is, is not in the Lord's will. And we are tired of seeing people go home early. We are tired of the sleeping church. We want to equip the believers because more than anything, the devil wants you to stay asleep to the fact that you have some authority, that you're a child of God. And when you get a report, you actually have the power inside you to change things. All you do is step into the truth of the word and you believe what he says. And you speak it, and you stand on it, and you fight the good fight of faith. And I believe that as we're talking about being aware of the third voice, I believe in my whole heart that this is going to help us get more close to the Lord. And we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit to be in the right place at the right times, doing the right things with the right people. Because if you're tuned in to what the Father is saying to you, you're going to be in the right place at the right time. If you are tuned in to the Holy Spirit, and he, you know what? Because he's a good dad. Yeah. He's not going to say, yeah, go ahead and, and go over there and visit that place. And then there's uh, something, catastrophe, tragedy, right? And more than ever, we have got to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit. But let me talk to you about that third voice, okay? Because this is what the Lord wants right here, this direct line. And then you have this, and then the enemy is trying to be right here. So what does that look like? What does it look like when the enemy comes in and tries to insert himself? Let's talk about it. I was actually trying to like look up stuff. like um, I was just like studying really random things. Like, I wonder what would pop up if I Googled this. I wonder what would pop up. And I said, the enemy interrupting your plans. And you know what everything said? God interrupting your plans. It's like, nobody's talking about this. Okay, so if you're unsaved, God is going to interrupt your plans. He's going to get a hold of your heart and set you on a new path with him, and it's going to be way better. But if you're saved, the enemy is going to interrupt your plans. And if the enemy isn't trying to interrupt your plans, maybe you just better pay attention to which way you're swimming. Because if you're going downstream with the fishes, it means you're dead. But if you're alive and I'm going to do the will of God, you're going to face some friction. Oh, yeah. And just because you're facing friction, it's <laughs> you're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And there is triumph on every single one of those. Oh, that's pressing. That's uncomfortable. So we're going to talk about this. Um, I, and I will give this example. My son plays a video game. Um, and he'll, he's on like this squad with his team and stuff. And, and as he's doing, he's, he's with the people he's supposed to be with. He'll go, oh, oh, do you see him? Do you see that guy over there? And it's somebody that's trying to get to his squad and get him. And that's exactly what this message is. It is saying, we're on a team and we're going to be telling each other, hey, 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 do you see that up there behind that? Do you see that little shed? I just saw somebody right there. He's trying to kill you. Because we're in a day and age where we cannot mess with sin. The devil wants to sift you as wheat. Do you know 
He's destroyed, take you out of this race early. He's not playing around. And I think that we can all see in the culture that we're living at, he's particularly after our call, he's particularly after the kids. And they're unapologetic about it, and so are we about the truth of the word. Yeah. It is time for the church to rise up in boldness and say, uh-uh, we're pushing back the dark. Yeah. And revival is already breaking out, guys. And I'm so excited about it. It's here. It's right now. Okay, so I want to read Genesis 2. Let's go over to the very first time that, that third voice entered the scene. And something like really popped out of it today, and I was like, this is really good. I'm not going to try to make a document, but this is really good. Um, the Lord, he told Adam, he warned him, let's go to 2.15. But the Lord God warned him and said, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in this garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you shall surely die. Then we go on to read that God created Eve. Who did he give the plan to? Did God ever keep the plan to Eve? He doesn't say that in the word. So I believe as the head of the house, God gave the plan to Adam and Adam related to Eve. Now they walked in the, in the garden with the Lord. So the Lord could have been like, hey, Adam, tell you what's up. But scripturally, God gave the plan to the head of the house. That's something to think about. Just put that in your back pocket, okay? So then the serpent, let's get down to chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Well, of course we can eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the one fruit from that one tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. You must not eat it or, or even touch it. And if you do, you're going to die. You won't die, the serpent said. I think we all know how that turned out. Thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. But let me tell you this. This is for the married couples that are in this place. Um, the enemy will come. And it's even a part. We can read that in the, in the fall, after they fall. What did God say to, to Eve? You're going to desire to lead your husband's part of the curse. You're going to have a desire to lead your husband. But he's the head. What happened is God gave Adam and Eve this beautiful plan. And the enemy, that third voice, boop, let me talk to you about that plan. Is that really what God said? Do you really think you're going to die? Can you trust Adam? What did he exactly tell you that the Lord said? Can you see how this third voice gets in? So clearly we see that the third voice is attached to the plan of the enemy, right? Yeah. Satan's going to be attached to the third voice. And I'm, like, I'm foreshadowing, but this whole thing is wrapping up with do not let anybody steal your intimacy with the Lord. Do not let anybody come in this direct line of communication. So, these two are united as one under Christ. They were supposed to be have that unity, but the enemy... And the third voice is actually what keeps us from living a victorious life, if you think about it. It's like, I was going to go out and do this, and I was going to, God gave me this plan. And then the third voice comes, and it's like, well, you know, what if that doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to? That seems pretty impossible. I don't know if you're going to be able to. You know, the third voice can also be, and let me say this. I've said this from the pulpit before, but this is revelation. The devil perfectly disguises your thoughts as yourself. That that's you. You ever been there? Some of you ever make you mad? And you're like, it's so ridiculous. Why would they treat me like that? That is the enemy trying to get offense, trying to get unforgiveness, trying to get, but why didn't they think of you? Why didn't they think of you? Why didn't they? Who do you think that is? But it's perfectly disguised as our own voice. And so we're like, why didn't they invite me? And all of a sudden, we're upset. And we're just getting so worked up. And then we get a text him and it's like, like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're here at this restaurant. I forgot to tell you. Can you meet up with us still? You just got yourself all worked into a tizzy. And even if somebody doesn't invite you, even if something is offensive, can you take a hold of the third voice when it comes? Can you say, like, this is not me? No, 
offense you, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I've had it come in between me and Chris. I'll be like, oh, he got himself a bottle of water, didn't care to give me one. And I'm like, oh, that's so dumb. Like, Satan, I'm not going to get upset for something so silly. But he just tries to do the tiniest little like, boop. Yeah. Oh, something got himself food. Didn't think about you being hungry. Even that thought, can we just be mature enough as Christians to see how selfish that thought is? Like, you, you don't have to serve me, you know? But it's my heart to be a servant. It's that, you know, I want to give. So I'm going to give you a couple points as to what the third voice looks like. So clearly we know it's the enemy, and clearly we know it can be in our thought life. But um, I'm going to move a little deeper into some third voices that maybe you never recognized. First one is pretty easy. I think we can all say this, but the world is going to be a third voice. Unbelievers, people who don't know Christ, they're going to be a third voice. Now, God gave Moses a plan, right? And he's like, you are going to take all of the Israelites and you're going to deliver them out of Egypt. You're going to take them to the promised land. And the third voice comes in and it's Pharaoh. And he's like, over my dead body, you're going to take the Israelites. And so the Lord shows up. So this is like, can you see how there's pressure, pressure, pressure? But I'm telling you what, if you are feeling pressure and you're like, keep moving forward, keep trusting God, there's a victory, there's a promise on your other side. Don't give up. Okay, second, let's look at Noah. Noah and the ark. The unbelievers are like, you're crazy. They're going to try to get him to stop building. But like, what is rain? It hadn't even rained yet. So the, uh, the world is going to not be happy with anything that you say. Let's go to Matthew 5.10. As you turn there, I'm just going to tell you that in the day and age that the Lord has placed you in, which is the end of the end, I believe, uh, the believers are going to feel some heat. We're going to feel some serious heat. You know what the crazy thing is to me? The the enemy is so, Chris always says, half-truth is more dangerous than a whole. And, and people will take scriptures. I mean, I'm almost scripture. A half truth is dangerous than a whole. What did I say? Erase that. That was my sermon. Erase that. A half truth is more dangerous than a whole lie. That's it. Okay. Let me. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you guys ready to get some hot topics? Yeah. I am too. Honestly, I, there's this like mama bear that rises up in me that's like, I'm going to save your soul from hell. I'm going to preach the truth because it's going to set you free to live a life victoriously. And I'm going to see you in heaven because I was bold enough to speak the truth. I was at Walmart and there's all these makeup things and um, there's men that are in advertisements and they have lipstick on, they have eyeshadow on, they have mascara on and it says, shoes love. Sounds like a half truth to me right. because we yeah. do choose love, but what is love? Right. Love is telling your kid, "Hey, no, we don't play basketball on the highway because that could kill you." Right. Love is, "I got to spin your butt because you're running out into the road." That's love. And the, the word says, if you don't discipline, if you don't tell the truth, you actually hate your children. That's the true translation. So, um, let's read Matthew 5. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you. When people persecute you. They lie about you. And say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my follower. This is number 12. This is the probably the biggest scripture to swallow right now. Be happy about it. Be glad. Woohoo! They hate me. They're lying about me. They're mocking me. They're making fun of me. They're persecuting me. A great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets, uh, prophets were persecuted in the same way. Can I ask you a question? If, if, the, if the truth of the word just was roll with the punches, Jesus loves you the way that you are. You don't have to change. He's good. You said the sinner's prayer, right? You're good. You got your ticket. 
if that were true, then can I ask you, why in the world did the world hate Jesus? Why did every disciple get completely martyred, besides Judas who hung himself and besides John who got castrated to an island? What, what would the friction have been? Wouldn't it have just been like, oh, right. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I, I said that prayer. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. But every godly man that followed Jesus, they had a bit of suffering to go through. Because I'm telling you what, people don't like the word repent. They don't like um, the conviction. Mm, let me see how I can say this. Well, yeah. Let me just say this. It's normal in the life of a believer. And Jesus Christ is telling you, hey, you're doing a good job. So if you come into a place in your life where you're building an ark and people are either saying to you, you are absolutely crazy. You're insane. You know that, right? Do you know how much of an idiot you look like? Actually, I had this one guy. I usually don't respond to any um, persecution that I get on my social media account because I, I have gotten to the place. Thank you, Lord, because I would have not been here three or four years ago. But I've gotten to the place where it's like, I rejoice at this. And if I don't, like, get cussed out, I'm like, Lord, did I do what you told me to? It's getting to that place um, where it's so normal. And I know that I'm upsetting hell itself when I poke on these things and say, I mean, it's funny. I, there is a um, post that I did about struggles, okay? I said struggles. Like, let's talk about struggles because I've had people in the body of Christ, and, you know, they'll come to me and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this, um, I'm dealing with this sin, but I just realized it's like the thorn in my side, and it's just a struggle that I'm going to deal with like, for the rest of my life. And I'm like, show me that word. Show me in the word where you're going to struggle with something for the rest of your life. Because right. the scripture that I see is, whom the sun set free is free indeed. Right. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And it's taking scripture out of context and saying, oh, this is going to be a thorn in your side. You're going to, no, 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 no. And I posted this thing that just said, hey, this is just me, little nobody in Ohio telling you that you can be free forever. Right. You can be healed and live a long life. You can be an addict and totally recover yeah. and pull other addicts out because you have the answer. People were so upset about it. Hard pass. Hard pass on freedom? <laughs> no, thank you. I will stay in this jail cell and suffer. <laughs> I don't know if it just becomes their identity or what, but. And I, I also got another one. I was talking about the culture. Because Chris just like comes up with these things that I love to take and just give a 30-second little reel on it. And so I said, hey, it's uh, a kingdom takes three things to function. It takes communications, it takes an army, and it takes culture. And I said, number one, Mike, uh, the archangel Michael, he is the war the, over the army. Number two, Gabriel, he's the communications. And number three, Satan, Lucifer, was over the culture. And so I just said, quick, like, culture... Trump's politics. If, if a Kardashian votes for abortion, everybody's following. It, it, it's the, the culture is where everything is. And oh man, this guy, and I was this close to texting back, and I was like, um, he said, like, you idiot, when are you ever going to realize this is just the, the religion you were brought up in? That's why you believe this stuff. Whatever religion you bring up, you, you're brought up in, is that, that's what you believe. Stop spreading this crap on the internet. And I so bad, and might after tonight because I'm talking about it, wanted to say, really? Because when my son was dying on his deathbed, it was Jesus Christ that came in, swooped in last minute, and basically raised him from the dead, healed
which is what our kids are doing, just even being here. Amen? Yeah. Like, look at these babies on the front row, these gorgeous kids, seeing and feeling the presence of it's real. Yeah. These, in, like, tangible encounters with Christ. You know, the girls, it's just like, yeah, well, that, these are deep roots are formed. It's not like my mom made me believe this. It's real, and yeah. there's power in it. That's right. Amen. All right, guys. So unbelievers, let's just get used to that, okay? Persecution's coming. Let's just get used to it. Because the truth is, God is going to call you along the most wonderful people that are dealing with the same things. And you just run your race and know there's a reward in heaven for you, and there's a reward on earth for you, too, for that persecution that you're suffering. Go ahead and let them call you weird. Because if they get a diagnosis, you're going to be the first one that they're calling. You have an answer, whether they want to admit it or not. They'll, they'll be the ones knocking on your door, the ones that hated you the most. And the goodness of God will show up and convince them. And it's just so cool how the Lord works because he loves them so much. Like the meanest people. He just loves them so much. He's such a good God. Okay, second. We'll keep moving. Number two, your family and friends. Can you go to First Samuel 17 with me? Are you guys tracking with me? Yeah. I'm not going to keep you for long tonight, I promise. First Samuel 17, Gina. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> this just like jumped out. You know when you're reading scripture, something just like jumps out at you and you're like, how have I ever seen this before? This is what this says. Let's read 1 Samuel 17. Now this is David and Goliath, okay? I'm taking y'all to like the easy stories that hopefully you remember from all right, so let's jump to 26. Well, let me just set this up, okay? Um, David's dad sent him to his brothers to give him food, go check and see how the war of the Philistines is doing, go head out there. So let's jump to 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, hey, heard about Goliath. What's a man going to get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyways that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, this is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways? He demanded. What are those few sheep? What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just wanted to come and see the battle. Was David supposed to be there? The Lord sent him. His dad sent him. The Lord sent him. There was a plan. An interject third voice of a brother that says, you're full of pride. What are you doing here? You just want to see what's going on. Go back to your sheep. You're going to have family that does not understand what you are called to do. You're going to have friends that don't understand what you're called to do. And when you tell them maybe some things that are hidden in your heart, they're going to say, like, you're in pride. You're in spiritual pride to think that the Lord would use you like that. What, you think you're better than me? That's basically what he's saying, right? Go back where you belong. But God had a plan for David. David could have turned around in that moment and forfeited and said, okay, goodness, I was just coming to give you guys food. You don't have to use a jerk about it. You know, he couldn't really care. But what did he do? Press forward. He pressed forward. Because the Lord had been preparing him with the lion, with the bear. The Lord prepared David in the pasture for such a time as this. And when you move forward, if you can get through the unbelievers, and you can get to the people that think you're crazy, because they're kind of easy to spot. You're like, you don't even know Christ, you don't get it. But then you start to run into some believers that are family and friends, and they say, well, I'm a Christian. Jesus is, Jesus is okay with how I live my life. Jesus is okay with what I do. And you're just extreme. That plan in your heart, it's, it's so extreme. What are you, in a cult? You think you're going to go start something? You think you're going to go overseas on a mission trip? What, you think you're better than, you guys, this happens. Because the enemy knows if he can get somebody that's a little closer to your heart to put some doubt in your head, 
that he can do exactly what he did with Eve, right? Well, did God really say that? Really? Have you thought that through? He said, you're going to die. So the enemy is trying to do everything that he can and help send people that are even a little bit closer. Um, you know, I want to just read the scripture out loud. You don't have to turn there. But it says in Matthew 19, 29, those who have given up houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mother, or children for my name's sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. I struggled with this, this scripture a lot because I felt like, Lord, you're the center of my life. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, you're asking me, like, no, you better love me more than your kids. You better love me more than your mother. I struggled with it. And I was like, give me revelation. Give me revelation of, of what it looks like to love you more than my kids. And I got it. You know, our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, and, and even sometimes our kids might not agree with the word. But you must love the word above all else. You must love the truth of the word above all else because it can get you to compromise. If you love your sister more than the word, what's going to happen is you're going to start to compromise. And that little leaven ruin the whole loaf. It will take you completely off track. Well, I love my sister. You know, my dad, he's with the Lord now. But when we went to Colorado, um, I sat down with him and, I, and we told him, this is, the, this is the word of the Lord for our family. Like, we're moving to Colorado and we're helping start a church. And, and my dad said, you, you can't move. Absolutely not. It'll be the death of me. You can't move. And in that moment, sitting across from him, I said, Dad, number one, don't ever let those words come out of your mouth. And I hope that all of us as spiritual believers, as mature believers, because I believe that we all are, that we know how powerful our words are. Right. We speak life and we eat the fruit of that. I said, don't ever let those words come out of your mouth again, number one. And number two, you want me to be right where the Lord wants me to be. I know it's hard for you. I know there's heart ties. I know you want to... You know, see your grandkids grow up, but dad, you can come out and visit us and we'll come visit you because you want me to be where the Lord has called us to be. And I cannot tell you any better way than inside my spirit, there was such an urgency to be obedient. There was, oh my goodness, I was like, dad, I got, I got to get my kids out there. I have to get, we have to go, we have to move, we have to do. So when I read that scripture after I had walked through a couple heart ties that really hurt, like, oh, Lord, just help him see. Take the blinders off. Help him see your plan for our lives. Help him see that we're where we're supposed to be and that we would be miserable if we stayed and we'd be out of the will of God if we stayed. And from the bottom of my heart, I will tell you guys, if we had not been obedient and moved to Colorado, we got the word of faith that we did for two years. I don't know if my son would be here. Because God knew where I was supposed to be. He knew the diet that our family required, and he was getting me fit for the fight of my life. And he was getting Chris fit for the fight of his life. And my daughter, London, and Cash, we stood together as a family and fought the good fucking thing. And guess what? We won. <laughs> but if I would have let my dad stop the plan, how would have that affected my children, my marriage? It's like, the Lord knows in those moments. He, he's not like, hey, diss your mom, diss your dad, get rid of those kids and just serve me. Oh, that's not what that scripture means. It just means love the word above all else. Choose the word. Amen? You know, um, oh, one thing that I just want to say. Um, something that I had to learn in my life um, I think we might have talked about this on Sunday, Leanne and Dave. Um, there are certain people that are with you for certain seasons. And as your root with the Lord is headed towards where he's called you to be, it's okay if there's a couple bus stops along the way where people get off. Because everything that they have for you is in that season, and they can't come with that. And sometimes it stinks, but if you trust the Lord, 
he knows what to kind of push to the side and he knows what to bring in. And sometimes when I look at different people that is kind of, okay, we're going this way, this this kind of falling over this way side, not that I beef with anybody, I love, I can pick up my phone or anybody who walk in this room right now, I'd be so full of joy to see that. Because your love for people never changes with the intimacy that you have with other people. It, it seasons. Yeah. Um, I think that one guy said it's like a, a rocket. And when you're going up and you, and you finally hit the, the outer atmosphere or outer space, the boosters, they fall off and you keep going. And, and here's the thing. If you try to keep people in your life that aren't meant to be in your life anymore, maybe they're, they're on assignment to somebody else. Just trust the Lord. Because God has a plan for them just as much as he has for you. But just be okay if uh, there's, there's a few people or maybe even a mass of that, that kind of get up on the bus stop with you. That's that's okay. Trust the Lord through it because I'm telling you, He is getting ready to bring you people that you couldn't even imagine. Like friends that are so faithful and so like true and honest and you can trust and, and they have their hunger for God. I was sitting at Olive Garden with Dave and Leanne on, uh, on Sunday and I just was so... Filled and bubbled and overflowing by the time I left because I thought, God, you brought me like the best of the best. They, they are just as hungry as I am for revival in our city, for the church to wake up, for freedom, for people to find their identity in Christ. And, um, you know, I have Lisa and Melissa, just every single one of you. God is going to bring you people that you're like, are you kidding me? I didn't even know these quality people were even out there. Okay. Yeah. I mention you too. Okay, you guys. You ready to get a little deeper? Number three, spiritual leaders. I want you to move to 2 Kings 23. Is that it? No, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. It's 1 Kings. 13. Sorry, everybody. Erase that. Don't you wish you had a real life human eraser? Like, <laughs> shouldn't have said that. <laughs> He's so cool. Okay. I'm going to read a story to you. Okay? Is everybody up for a good Bible reading? Yeah. All right. Okay. First Kings 13. We're going to start at the top. Just bear with me, okay? But I want you to take the details into this story. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam. How do you say that name? Jeroboam. Jeroboam, like foam. Jeroboam. That makes more sense. Arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then, at the Lord's command, he shouted, Oh, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense and human bones will be burned on you. That same day the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, so do you guys understand what's going on so far? So this young man of God came to uh, Judah, went to Bethel, and this evil king, Jeroboam, is making sacrifices. You know, Bethel means house of God. Okay? So this king is doing things that the Lord is not happy with. And this young, we're going to call him the young prophet. He starts saying these things. The Lord has promised to give this son. This altar will split apart and its ashes will be poured out on the ground. Well, when King Jeroboam, Boam, Jeroboam, Mom, just my parent keeps saying that. When King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed him, he pointed at him and shouted, Seize that man. Okay, number one, the unbeliever, right? This man has been told by God to go and prophesy over this king. Say enough is enough. And the first thing the king said was, Seize him. Unbelievers are going to try to stop you by force. They're going to try to do everything they can to tracks. But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position and he couldn't pull it back. 
At the same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar and the ashes poured out just as the young prophet or man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. The king cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the young prophet, prophet prayed to the Lord and the king's hand was restored and he could move it again. Then the king said to the man of God, come to the palace with me and have something to eat. I'm going to give you a gift. So first it was like, seize him. Then it was like, you want some money? But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything that you owned, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. For the Lord gave me this command, you must not eat or drink anything while you were there. And do not return to Judah by the same way you came. So he left Bethel and went home another way. Okay? Is everybody following me so far? All right. As it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel, and his sons came home and told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. So these kids are like, Dad, you'll never believe what just happened. This young prophet came, he's telling the king, like, you're in sin, and the son's like, seize him, and then he's like, oh, my hand. So the sons are like telling this old prophet everything that God had done. And they also told their father what the man had said to the king. The old prophet asked the, the boys, which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man had taken, the young prophet, going back home, right? What did the Lord tell him to do? Go home. Don't you eat. Don't you drink. Don't you stop anywhere. You go home. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. Then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great oak tree. The old prophet asked him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? Let me just say this. In the Bible, oak trees represent spiritual strength. And this young prophet is sitting against this tree. And the old prophet has found him and said to him, hey, are you the young prophet that just you know did all that cool stuff with the king? Yes, I am, he replied. Then he said to the man of God, come home with me and eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place, for the Lord has given me a command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. But the old prophet answered and said, I'm a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old prophet was lying to him. So they went back together, and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. Hmm. I'm just going to take a break for one second. This old prophet, he, he really was a prophet. You know how the gifts and callings of God are without repentance? He really did operate in that. And scholars believe that in 1 Samuel 19, 20, that Samuel had a bunch of young prophets that were prophesying. Remember, Saul sent men to go get David, and then Saul's men started prophesying. They believe, scholars believe, that this old prophet went to Samuel's, let's just say, Ramah Bible Training Center, and was kind of uh, under his, under Samuel's wing, and taught how to, you know, how to manifest the gifts of the Spirit, and he, okay. So... What happened in this moment with this young prophet under this oak tree that represented spiritual strength? Because you guys, guess what? That young prophet, he was spiritually strong. And every single one of you in here, you guys have spiritual strength. You're on the road that God's given you for your life. You wouldn't be here if you weren't hungry. You're spiritually strong. The Lord had given him a plan. He had just seen mighty signs and wonders in Bethel. And he's being obedient to the Lord. But here comes this old prophet that once functioned with the Holy Spirit, but in turn worldly and fallen away. And he comes up to him and he pulls rank. Third voice. All right, let's see what happens. But the old, uh, the old prophet answered the prophet too, just as you are. An angel gave me this command from the Lord, bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. So they went back together, and the man of God ate and drank in the prophet's home. 
And then when they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. And he cried out to the man of God from Judah, this is what the Lord says. Now what's happening here? This is the old prophet. He was just lying and saying, like an angel visited me. And now the spirit of God is actually resting upon him and prophesying through him. Because what he's about to say next is the truth. Listen, number one, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But I believe that this was not only, um, I believe it was the mercy of God to tell the young prophet, like, you missed it. Um, I also believe it's to teach us a lesson. But let's continue reading. You have defied the word of the Lord and have disobeyed the command the Lord God gave you. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet sat on his own donkey for him. And the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling, this is the young prophet, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside him. People who passed by saw the body lying in the road and the lion standing beside it. And they went and reported it in Bethel, where the old prophet lived. When the old prophet heard the report, he said, it's the young prophet, the man of God, who disobeyed the Lord's command. Look at him. Like he cares. You're the reason. That just sticks me off. It is the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord was the Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack him. This is important, so just stay with me. Then the prophet said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey, and he went out and found the body lying in the road. The donkey and the lion were still standing there beside it, for the lion had not eaten the body or attacked the donkey, or nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey and took it back to the town to mourn over him. I see these. Mm, I'm gonna mourn. <laughs> Just kidding. To mourn over him and bury him. He laid the body in his own grave, crying out in grief. Oh, my brother. Afterward, the prophet said to his sons, when I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message the Lord told him to proclaim against the altar in Bethel, against the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, will certainly come true. Let's get into this real quick. I'm not going to be long. In this culture, the burning of bones eradicated your life. It was their culture that if you died and people burned your bones, then you pretty much your life meant nothing. This prophet, who had once cooperated and moved with the Lord, but had turned worldly, saw this young prophet, went over, pulled rank, because he knew this guy's legit, and I'm going to make this guy make my life count again. And so he collected his body after he died and put it in a certain grave and told his sons, you put my bones with his bones because he was somebody and I want to be remembered. Guys, <clears throat> that young prophet had a heart to submit to authority and he, he got his life cut short because of it. The fear of man is something that is so real. And when it says it's a trap, there is no more beautiful example in the word than this story. Because the deceit and the lying and the... And here's the thing. It's easy to spot a king... It's easy to spot an unbeliever trying to stop you. It's easy to spot when somebody's tempting you with, with money. It's easy to spot sometimes when your family and friends just don't understand the plan of God. But when you have a, a person of spiritual influence that you trust, hears the voice of the Lord, and has hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, and the, word gives, and the Lord gives you a plan for your life, and you meet with them and they say, whoop, dangerous, nope, no, I'm just not getting that from the Lord for you. Third voice. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is, 
the enemy is trying so hard to take intimacy out of the relationship. And if he can put a pastor in between you and the voice of the Lord, let me go one step further. If he can put a life coach in between you and the voice of the Lord, who is biblically our life coach? The Holy Spirit. Now there's a balance to this because the Lord has put people over top of us. There are spiritual leaders, there are elders in churches, it's all biblical. But the day where you stop checking in and saying, huh, that was confusing. I really feel like I'm called to do this. Lord, I feel like I heard from you, but then I met with this person and they're telling me absolutely not. This cannot be God by any means. A lot of people stop right there and wash their hands clean of the plan. All right, well, I guess I'll just stay here and do nothing. Just, we must take every word. What do we say at the very beginning of the sermon? There's no voice without significance. We must take every word back into this and judge it faithful according to the word. I cannot tell you how many times. I I think I'm so passionate about this because I used to be this person. Um, let's just say somebody said, um, you know, like if I we've ministered so many different we have seen this trying to creep in across the board and it's control in the church. It's no, the Lord didn't put that on your heart. You need to serve here. Why don't you take this personality test and we'll see kind of where you fall in and wherever your strengths are, we'll put it here. Who's checking in with the Holy Spirit? Who's checking in? I love it when Chris was like, who gave Gideon an Enneagram test? Because God called him a mighty man of power and if his Enneagram test would came back, it would have been like, no, be a part of. It's so beautiful, but there was somebody that came in, and I led worship one night, and, and uh, he wanted to have a meeting with me. It was just a guest minister that came in, and I was like, oh, cool, okay. Um, so we're meeting, and he said, as I watch you sing, I can just tell you don't know who you are. And I was like, I'm like taking notes. I'm like, I don't know who I am. <laughs> He goes, you can't just sing and lead worship like so people start cheering. And you can just tell that every time that you're singing out, you want the crowd to get really hyped with you. And it's not about you. And I'm telling you what, you guys. This was a while ago. I'm such a different person now. I mean, now I'm just going to punch them in the face. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Never the answer. Children, never the answer. Please stop. It's not the answer. Um, but you know what I did with that? Because he was somebody. Because he pulled rank with me to pull me in and tell me what my heart was in worship that night. I went home and I let it eat my lunch. I let it eat my lunch. I was like, Lord, I will never sing with authority again. Lord, is that a rightly divided word? 
how many times Paul mentions that people will preach another Jesus in the end times. They're coming in the name of Jesus. I think a lot of Christians are like, well, that's going to be like one of those cults. It's like, I am the Messiah. Like, come and have all these children and all these wives. And like the cults that have gotten really out of control. But really what it's saying, when, when it's saying like, um, people will come in my name, it's, it's preaching false doctrine from the pulpit and saying, Jesus is totally okay with this. That's somebody coming in his name. And right now, we have to be so sharp and so intimate with the Lord and, and love the word so much that if something is said, that it's just like, it's going to be like, ping, in your spirit. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm not eating that up. I'm not eating that up. Um, my heart is for you to know that God has put all these wonderful tears in place, but absolutely nothing trumps your relationship with him. And nobody should ever, ever, ever have a higher word than the Lord. And honest to goodness, I'm going to go one step further. Let's say a husband says, I am feeling the Lord telling us to go to the church down the street. And you go to your pastor. If your pastor says anything else to you other than you hear the voice of the Lord. You hear the voice of the Lord. If you feel like you do that, I bless you on your way out. If it's anything other than that, it's cultish. The Lord gave us dominion over the earth and over the animals, but not over each other. And if we don't hold our people with an open hand and say, I trust your relationship with the Lord. Now, if I went to my pastor and I was like, guess what? I'm going to start a crack house. That would be different. That would be different. Because they're stepping into their place and saying, hey, 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 you've gotten off. Let's pray about this. No, 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 no. I see danger in your future. But if you're saying the Lord is calling me to Africa to move with my family and your pastors are saying, you're not ready. Mm -mm. Nope, I can see right now. You're not ready. And I just see danger in your future. That, that is a form of control. And the only thing should be, we will bless you on your way out. And if you happen to miss the timing, we are right here when you get back. Amen. 